if you've got a Bible, open it up to Proverbs, uh, middle of your Bible, right after Psalms. If you don't have a good Bible, please get one at Guest Connections. We also have some study Bibles available that I'd love to uh, get in your hands. If you don't have a, a good study Bible with footnotes and resources to go further in, in, the, in the study of God's Word, please see me afterwards. I'd love to get one to you and in your hands. It's been since last fall since we've been in the Old Testament. We were in the Old Testament for four weeks looking at uh, minor prophets, four of those, and then today we begin a new series in Proverbs uh, back in the Old Testament. Today and next week we're going to look at the themes of wisdom and foolishness, both of which are talked about throughout the book of Proverbs, and then the final seven weeks we're going to look, we're going to look at various subjects that Proverbs speaks to whether it be relationships or money or work or our words or various subjects like that. A quick overview of this particular book of the Bible. Most of it was written by Solomon, a man of great wisdom, a man who asked of God to give him wisdom, and 1 Kings 3 tells us that the Lord was faithful to give it. 1 Kings 3.12 says, uh, the, the Lord says, I will give you, Solomon, a wise and understanding heart so that... There has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. And then in 1 Kings 4, 29 through 30, it tells us God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight and understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. And so these words that are before us are ultimately not Solomon's wisdom, but God's wisdom to us written through Solomon. Proverbs uses what is called parallelism in its writing. Four different types of parallelism are throughout the book. First of all, there is synonymous parallelism, meaning the concepts in the first line are then paralleled in the second line, kind of building on each other. Secondly, you'll read what is called antithetical parallelism, where the second line is drawing a contrast from the first line to illustrate a point. And then there's emblematic parallelism, where, one, where the one line and then the second line clarifies that first line through some sort of word picture. And then finally, there's synthetic parallelism where, the, again, the first and the second line kind of build off each other and say the same thing. And so afterwards, we'll have a vocab test and a spelling test later on. So synonymous, antithetical, emblematic, and synthetic. Keep those in mind. Sound them out later on. All of which Solomon uses to help communicate truth small bites of condensed truth that are intended to not just live on coffee cups, but actually intended to be digested and chewed on. The collection of Proverbs was completed around 700 B.C. That's nearly 3,000 years ago. So why in the world are we studying these ancient words? I mean, haven't people written better Proverbs than 140 characters since then? I mean, the, so much has changed since then. But wasn't, what hasn't changed is the human heart. The human heart has the same disease, the same diagnosis from birth. The human heart is in desperate need of wisdom so that we might turn from the tendency we we're all born with to live lives of foolishness and folly. We need to turn from that so that while these words were written 3,000 years ago, they're alive and active because the Spirit of God is at work. And ultimately, the Spirit of God inspired the writers to articulate God's wisdom in these little condensed power packets of His goodness, grace, and truth. 
as we begin this series, we must see Proverbs through the lens of a gospel of God's grace. Because the human heart, while in desperate need of wisdom, isn't transformed by outward obedience. It isn't transformed by a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts, or a list of Proverbs. What the New Testament tells us over and over throughout its entire storyline is that outward rules don't change the inward heart of men and women. Rather, we are born sick with sin, and the sick can't heal themselves. We are in need of a doctor. We are in need of the great physician, the Lord himself, to come in and heal and transform us. And he has done that work through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. The gospel of God's grace declares to us that we are transformed not from the outside in, but from the inside out by the grace and power of the Lord. Our hearts and minds are changed by His grace, which then that leads to outward actions of our lives that look different. We are born bent toward loving sin and self. But when we repent and believe the gospel, putting our trust in the Lord, we are saved and changed. And as a result, our loves, our loves are reordered. Now our desire is to love the Lord and love our neighbor. Matthew 22 records a story of Jesus being asked by an expert in the law. So Jesus, tell me the the command in all the Old Testament. Tell me what is the greatest in all the law. To which Jesus replies in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. As a church, as God's people, we want to be about the great commandment. Loving the Lord, loving one another. So the gift of the Proverbs is that it helps us give a picture of how we do that. Of how we love the Lord, how we love our neighbor. It gives us these nuggets of wisdom from the Lord so that we might live as God's people in a way that would love Him supremely above all else and love our neighbor. So Proverbs is not, do these things and then you will be saved, accepted, loved by the Lord. Rather, Proverbs through a new covenant of of the gospel of God's grace is that because we've been changed by his grace, because we are loved and accepted and saved through faith alone, we are then enabled and empowered through a spirit to live differently because our loves have been reordered away from sin and self and toward our Savior and toward others. This is one reason why it's going to be timely for us to remember the Lord and His sacrifice, the gospel, through communion at the end of the service. So as we begin a a study of some of the Proverbs, we are reminded and, and we see it through the gospel as New Covenant Christ followers. This morning we're going to look at Proverbs 2. And we're going to look at it in four different sections. The first section, verses 1 through 5, gives us a picture of what the pursuit of wisdom looks like. Verses 6 through 9 shows us the, the Lord's goodness toward our pursuit of wisdom. Verses 10 through 19 then reveal to us the benefits, the reward of wisdom. And then verses 20 through 22 finishes with, with a, both a warning and an encouragement. So a call to pursue We see the Lord's faithfulness in response to our pursuit. We see the benefit, the reward of of pursuing wisdom and why it matters. As a whole, I pray that as we read and look at Proverbs 2, the Lord might compel us to be a people who would pursue wisdom as a way of life. 
I want to see the Spirit of God increase our desire for the pursuit. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will be able to understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. In Proverbs, one theme we see is that a, of a father speaking wisdom and life into his son to teach a son, a parent, passing on wisdom to the next generation. And in that metaphor, believers, sons and daughters of the Father, we are seeking to be changed and receive the truth, the wisdom, re- receive instruction from, from the Father, us as sons and daughters of His. Notice the verbs in this section and help us get a picture of what pursuit looks like. Accept my words. Store up my commands within you. Listen closely to wisdom. Direct your heart to understanding. Call out to insight. Lift your voice to understanding. Seek it and search for it. And these are action-oriented words. I want to highlight four of them. The first one is the first one. Accept my words. This is more of an attitude of our hearts than an action of our hands, is it not? I love that this one comes first because we won't do any of the others if we don't start here. If we don't have this heart posture first. If you're going to accept or receive wisdom from the Father, then you're going to be, have this humble attitude toward it. You're not going to stiff arm the words of a Heavenly Father proudly thinking you don't need them. You're going to say instead, I don't know what to do. And even, even if I know exactly what to do, I'd be a fool not to consult the wisdom of the Father and to accept and receive His words. Store up my commands within you. When you store up, you're preparing. Think food, for example. When Heather goes grocery shopping, she gets two of things, sometimes four of things, three of things. It's rarely just one one item. Why? Because this is just who she is. This is what she does. No, no, she's preparing. This is what she does because she's preparing because she knows we're going to use that multiple times. We're not just going to probably use that once. Same principle as it relates to the pursuit of wisdom. We are then to store them up in our minds, our hearts, the pantries of our soul, if you will, because we know that we'll use them in the future, that they will guide us in the days ahead, that when life comes and we open that pantry door, our minds, our hearts, we want to find wisdom there. Is there anything more frustrating? I mean, there is, but it's a frustrating experience to open the fridge or the pantry and be like, nothing in here. Well, this is what we do sometimes when problems, when suffering hits our life. We open the pantry door and we go, there's nothing in here. Because we need to be storing up as a way of life in our minds and our hearts God's Word to us, treasuring His Word in our hearts. That enables us not to sin against the Lord. That's Psalm 119.11. So the pursuit of wisdom includes the memorizing of His Word. Listening closely. Your translation may say turning your ear or inclining your ear. Inclining meaning the sharpening of the ear so as to give diligent attention to what is spoken. So we're listening with the intent to hear. We're tuning our ears to the frequency of God's wisdom found in His Word. And so 
So we must have a regular consumption of God's Word in order to train our ears in how to listen. It's not a question of if the Lord is speaking. We don't serve a silent God. He has, speak, he has spoken. He is speaking through His Word. The question is rather, are we sitting down? Are we pausing? Are we setting aside distractions? Are we seeking to create a space to set aside lesser things, lesser noise, so that we might listen closely? Seek it like silver. Search for it like hidden treasure. So we're going to go after wisdom of the Father knowing that it has great value as if it is worth the pursuit and knowing that it is. You know what I've never done in the backyard? Dig a hole for no reason. Never. My wife has not walked out. What are you doing? I've just decided to dig a hole and battle roots, and I just wanted to dig a hole today, honey. I'm going to fill it back in and plant some grass seed on top of it. I've never done that. I've never dug a hole that lacks purpose. Instead, if you're going to dig a hole, it's going to have purpose. And the Lord is telling us here that when we go digging, exploring, searching for God's wisdom, it's not pointless. It's not in vain. There's a significance to the search, and there's, there's a substance to be found in the pursuit of it. Loved ones, the pursuit of wisdom is not one of passive indifference. We will not naturally drift toward the pursuit of wisdom. Rather, it is to be an unrelenting pursuit. The pursuit full of both humility and attitude that is prone to listen, and then the actions, for instance, memorizing, storing up, seeking, searching, digging for it in the Word, knowing that there is invaluable treasure to be found in God's wisdom. What would you say that you're pursuing in your life with unrelenting activity right now? With unrelenting activity, with intentionality and discipline, focus, attentiveness, probably some good things related to school, sports, academics, the arts, work, maybe a project at home, maybe a specific relationship, good things. May the Lord compel us to be a people who pursue His wisdom above all other activity. Let's not fall for seeing good things that are good things. Let's not fall for seeing good things as ultimate things. Let's trust the Word that says wisdom is ultimate. Let's not pursue what is good at the expense of what is best. Proverbs 4.9 says wisdom, or 4.7 says wisdom is supreme. It's supreme. So get wisdom, it says. And whatever else you get, get understanding. When our son was running cross country and track in high school, we'd often be yelling, go get it! Go get the next one! Right? As I stand there. He's working his tail off. I'm like, this is what parents do. Church, the wisdom from the Father is supreme. Go get it! Go get it! You got to get to the back stretch of the 400. Go get it! It's worth it! Wisdom is supreme from the Father. Don't expect, don't, don't trade 
that for lesser things. Lesser things matter. They are not ultimate. School, sports, academics, work, none of that is ultimate. It all falls under the, the, the lens of God's wisdom, which is supreme. That enables us to know how to, how to live, and how, how to pursue wisdom and how to glorify God at school, in sports, in the arts, in the workplace. Verses 6 through 9, we see the Lord's goodness toward our pursuit of wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. It would be cruel of the Lord to say to us, hey, best of luck digging for that silver. Best of luck. Godspeed. I hope you find it. I hope you're not digging in vain. No, we serve and worship the one true God who, according to verse 6, gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Look at how the Lord is faithful in response to our intentional search for wisdom. Consider these three verbs you see there. Shield, guard, protect. Shield, guard, protect. This is what our faithful Father does for us. As we accept and store up and listen closely and seek and search for his invaluable wisdom. Shield, guard, and protect us from what? Foolishness. Found in three different sources. Our spiritual enemy, whose only language is that of lies. Our fallen world that we live in, that is ordered around the worship of sin and self. And finally, our our own sin-bent flesh. As we tune our ears and lives to the truth of the Lord's wisdom, the Lord shields us from the lies of the enemy who is out to steal, kill, destroy. Shields, shields us so that we might live for the great commandments, so that when we see or hear the lie, we recognize that it's just that. It's a lie. The Lord guards us from the patterns of the world that again would lead us away from loving the Lord supremely and loving our neighbor as ourselves, so that when we see some foolish pattern of the world, we turn from going down that path and recognize that it's just that, foolishness. And the Lord protects us from our own flesh that is prone to idolatry and worshiping lesser things. So when our flesh says, live for yourself, wisdom says, no, I've been down that path before. It leads to death and destruction. I'm not doing that. I'm going to turn from that. Shield, guard, protect. This doesn't mean that if we intentionally and consistently dig after the wisdom of God, accepting it, storing it up, that our lives will be free from pain and hurt, that we won't get shot by a fiery dart sometimes, that we won't step into a snare of our own flesh or spiritual enemy. It does mean, according to verse 9, that our understanding of righteousness, justice, and integrity will increase, which will lead to a straight path, the narrow road that leads to eternal life. It does mean that we'll be shielded, guarded, protected, ultimately, from walking down the wide road that leads to eternal destruction. Loved ones, as we seek to be great commandment people, there are enemies of that mission. There are enemies. So we must pursue wisdom, and in doing so, ultimately, our faithful Lord is raising His shield for us, guarding our steps, protecting our souls. We serve and worship a faithful Heavenly Father 
who is for his sons and daughters, who is desiring that his sons and daughters would live by wisdom found in his word. If the Father wasn't for us, we wouldn't have the word sitting on our lap. The Father's for us, and he's given us his word so that we might know how to enjoy him and bring good to those around us and live out the commands to glorify him. Verses 10 through 19 continue to reveal to us the reward of wisdom. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. It will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a wayward woman with her flattering talk who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. In verse 10, we read that knowledge will delight you. God's wisdom will delight you. The idea here of the word delight is an acquired taste. That as God's people, as we pursue wisdom, we develop a growing taste for it. And at the same time, a growing distaste for things contrary to his wisdom and his ways. I'm a man in my mid-40s. My metabolism is not what it used to be in my teens or 20s. As a kid, I'd say that I had an undiscerning palate, right? If food was in front of me is what I mean, I'm going to eat it. Cereal bowl was this size. Ice cream bowl, this size as well. In front of me, it's going down my gullet. My friends and I would frequent buffet restaurants when those were a thing, okay? No shields, just right there. Everybody digging in. <laughs> Anarchy. It would just be plate after plate of calories. A challenge of how many cinnamon rolls can you eat? How many plates can you stack up over there? Nowadays, I don't just put anything in my face hole. I'm not saying I'm a food snob because I'm not. I am saying when I go to the grocery store, for example, to pick out a steak to grill, I'm going to get a ribeye because it's delightful. I'm not going to purchase the piece of meat that had to be pounded and pounded and pounded trying to tenderize it. I want the one that comes naturally that way. I'm choosing a restaurant to eat at. I'm choosing something based on tastes that I've acquired and developed. And so I'm no longer going to say, honey, would you like to enjoy this romantic meal at a buffet restaurant? There's mashed potatoes over there under that heat lamp. They've been there for hours. They look delicious. Would you like me to serve you up a plate? No, my tastes have changed because not everything can go down my gullet anymore. So as it relates to wisdom, before I knew the Lord, early in my faith, I'm just consuming anything off the buffet line and assuming it's all on the same level. Bible wisdom, worldly wisdom, advice from friends, anything around me, I'm assuming it's on the same level. And this is before social media. The next generation has parents, you, you've got to be active in this. This was long before 140 characters could somehow communicate vast amounts of truth. 
or Facebook posts or TikToks or the gram or any of the social media that's just an onslaught. That is the word, an onslaught of supposed wisdom all on the same supposed buffet line. It's not on the same line. As I've grown in my wisdom or grown in my faith, my tastes have changed, recognizing what needs to go back to the kitchen and what's actually godly wisdom. The Lord has brought discretion is the word there in verse 11, which means the ability to discriminate and discern between godly and ungodly. The longer I go following Jesus, the more I delight in his wisdom, enjoying the taste of it. So I'm not going to shove anything in front of me into my mind, into my heart, and assume that it is wisdom from the Lord. Loved ones, be biblically discerning in what you receive into your minds, into your hearts. In this section, I want us to see this word, and I hope you saw it already, from. When we pursue God's wisdom, knowledge, discretion, understanding, all in verses 10 and 11, the Father's wisdom will rescue us from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, meaning things that are upside down from God's Word. Right, wrong, wrong, right. Upside down from God's Word. I know it's difficult to imagine this happening, but imagine it if you will. Rescue us from those who abandon the right paths and walk in ways of wisdom, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, things that are upside down, from a forbidden and wayward woman and her flattering talk. Wisdom rescues us from, loved ones, the search for wisdom delivers from temptation, from evil, from perversion, from dark and ungodly paths, from getting sucked down inward to a house that leads to death and leads us to great commandment living along the narrow path of life. Verses 20 through 22, the writer finishes with both an encouragement and a warning. So follow the path or follow the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those of integrity will remain in it. But, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous ripped out of it. The land here, referring to the promised land of the Old Testament, a promised land given to the Israelites if they remain faithful to the Lord. But ultimately, this picture of land is pointing us as New Covenant Christ followers forward to the inheritance that we have in Christ the eternal life promised to those who trust in the Lord, the new heavens, the new earth. This is the land that we will dwell in and inhabit for all eternity alongside God's people. And we see that the ultimate purpose of the Lord is to lead His people to life, to a place of security, assurance, rest, and peace. These are the words that we associate when we think land. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 5, it is the, the humble that will inherit the earth. It is the humble who will enter the land. And humility is where Proverbs 2 begins with. If, in verse 1, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, if you pursue an attitude of humility before the Lord who gives wisdom, if you humbly and relentlessly pursue His wisdom, receiving and accepting His word, He will be your shield. He will be your guard. He will be your protection. Then, in verse 9, you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. And He will rescue you from dark and destructive paths. So, verse 20, you will follow the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. 
the Father is for you, loved ones. He is for you. This is why He's given you His wisdom through His Word. The gospel is the greatest picture for us of His love for us, that He is for us, that, and His desire that we turn from sin and self, the dark and destructive, the wide road, and we'd repent and find life and salvation in Him alone. Verse 20 says again, So follow the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Here in a minute, we're going to celebrate communion. And thinking about verse 20, apart from the Lord's grace and goodness found in the gospel, apart from putting our faith and trust in Him alone, none of us are good and righteous on our own. But the Lord has made a way for us, the way for us. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was born of a virgin, sinless. He lived a perfect life of obedience to the Father, fulfilling the commands perfectly so that He would be the sinless and sacrificial one who could die for our sin. Jesus was, was the only good and the only righteous one. And He died for us who were ungodly and unrighteous so that through faith alone in Him, we could be saved, be given new life, be given a new heart, a heart transplant takes place where our loves are now reordered, where we are seeking to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to take communion. Our First Impressions team is going to begin passing down the trays down the aisle and then uh, we will take the elements together as a unified body of Christ after some time and moments of prayer. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the juice. As we close, we are going to uh, sing just one song here at the end in response to the Word, in response to what the Spirit has uh, spoken to us and uh, taught us through the Word. And also during this last song, this is an opportunity for those who call Cross Point home to give an offering. If you're a guest with us, uh, please don't feel obligated or uh, compelled by guilt to give. This is a chance for us to worship the Lord in that way for those of us who call this uh, this church home. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you that you're a God of infinite and boundless wisdom. You give of your wisdom to us and we are so grateful. Thank you that you're a God who speaks to us through your word. I pray that we would be a people who would be prone to accept and not reject or resist. We would be a people prone to store up and memorize and hide away your word, that we would be a people prone to listen closely and tune our ears to your, the frequency of your word that we would be a people who would seek and search for it that you would empower us for the unrelenting pursuit of valuable riches found in your wisdom in the knowledge of who you are i thank you god that you are our shield our protector our guard I thank you that wisdom rescues us from so 
all the things that we're, our flesh is prone to, all the temptations of the enemy, all the, all the patterns of this world, Lord, may you remind us of, of how good it is to be rescued from and to be brought into the marvelous light, into the truth of who you are, into the goodness of your grace and your truth. May you enable us to be a people who would pursue wisdom and enjoy the benefit and the reward of that, and that would lead not only to our good, but to the good of those around us and the good of the generations that follow us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Horton, Horton family and Mayots, if you guys could come up to the stage, that'd be great. Uh, we've got two dear households who are moving to uh, lesser states, in my opinion, um, <laughs> Tennessee and Texas, popular states. Guys, come on up, and uh, they're going to be moving there in the coming weeks. And so we want to uh, pray for these households that are dear to us. Um, thinking of these households, first of all, it's somebody's birthday, Kirsten's birthday today, so you can wish her happy birthday afterwards. Uh, but these are households that specifically have invested into next generation ministry through Sun Chasers. This is a guy who's loved his neighbor well by fixing everybody's, raise your hand if you had something fixed by, wow, look at that, that is legit, multiple hands went up. Um, and uh, these are households who have sought to love the Lord and love their neighbor in the context of this local church, in the context of the communities that they call home. They are dear to us. And I want to encourage you to be praying for uh, Linda and the boys and Jamie and Mandy and their kids as they venture off and walk by faith into, uh, into what is next for them. And as we pray for them, I want to pray Ephesians uh, 3, 14 through 21, which says this, let's pray. For this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. To him be glory in the Horton and Mayot for generations and generations in their family tree. We pray this in the name of Jesus who makes all things possible. Amen. Proverbs 3, 13, starting in 13. Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and her revenue, the wisdom is, re and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her, meaning wisdom, long life in her right hand and in her left riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds dripped with dew. Maintain sound wisdom and discretion. My son, don't lose sight of them. They will be life for you, an adornment for your neck. Then you will go safely on your way. Your foot will not stumble when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down and your sleep will be uh, pleasant, don't fear 
Don't fear sudden danger or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. Wisdom is supreme. Go get it. Go get it this week.